welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And today's topic is changing I can't to I can. What I wanted to talk about is things like believing in yourself and doing things that are hard. Um, You know, I was thinking about when many years ago when I was smoking, oh, you know, any of you who have smoked, it, it, it was many, many attempts to quit smoking. And I remember saying, you know, I'm going to quit. And then I would have somebody say back to me, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I think that's the absolute worst thing that you can ever say to somebody. Um, I don't really know why somebody would say that. It's very discouraging. But um, but it it lots of people say it, you know, lots of people do that. Um I was also thinking about what I've learned in sobriety, which is if I say I can't do something, I can't. If I say I can do something, I can. Now, that may seem kind of ridiculous, but I'm going to go into it. Um, I've just learned over the past several years that it all starts with whether I make the decision that I can or I can't. And then uh, the results are going to follow and they're going to be in line with whatever I decided I was going to be able to do and what I decided I was not going to be able to do. So I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, But I wanted to start off by talking about when I was drinking the negative self-talk allowed me to continue to keep feeding alcohol into whatever challenges I had. You know, it was, it was an excuse. Um, if I kept telling myself that, you know, everything sucks for you, you're miserable, you can't do anything, then that gave me an excuse to keep drinking. Um, Because if I were to look at myself and think, you can do better than this, you know, you can be better than this, then that would mean I would have to stand up and do the work, you know? Um... I would say I can't. It's too hard. And then I would drink over whatever it was that was a challenge. I never would climb that mountain. Whatever the challenge was, I can't. It's a mountain. I tend to always uh, call challenges a mountain. And I would never climb that mountain. I would never get to see what was on the other side of the mountain. And eventually I found myself just surrounded by mountains. And I'm just, you know, in the valley, just swimming in self-doubt 
and Chardonnay. And during the past uh, few months, when I decided that I was going to try to learn voiceover on my phone and my Mac, I did this because I unrealistically thought, and I really believed this, I thought that I could learn voiceover fast enough to keep my job. That was my goal. And so I set out to start learning it. And I pretty quickly, I mean, it took probably about a, a month to really get uh, pretty proficient on my phone with a black screen and not looking at it. But the Mac, when I tried to do it on the Mac, I was like, oh, my God, this is really hard. But I kept thinking, like, well, I mean, there's so many people who can do this. You know, there's I've got a I've got a head start because it's not like I was I was born blind. I know what the screens look like. So I should be able to do it um, with that with that advantage but I'll tell you I just I couldn't figure it out and finally I just you know I threw up my hands and I was like I can't do it I can't learn it and that's when I started really thinking I don't think I'm going to be able to go back to work I don't think I'm going to be able to figure this out and then one day I realized that you know, if I'm learning voiceover, it's I'm just using keys on the Mac and I'm using my ears to listen to commands, listen to whatever results come from whatever keys that I push. I thought this is no different than playing the piano. So once I had that mental shift and I moved over to this growth mindset instead of being fixed, you know, standing still thinking that I can't grow, I can't change. Um, once I had that shift, it opened the door and I learned voiceover on my Mac. And I'm not an expert at it, of course, but, um, but I'm continuing to learn it. And it really had to do with my self-talk as to whether I could do it or I couldn't do it. If I never had that shift, I still wouldn't know how to do voiceover on Mac. And the same thing happened to me when I first entered uh, sobriety as well. Um, I've talked about it before, but that first time that I went to detox and I came out and then a couple months later, I don't even know if it was a couple of months, I said to myself, I can't do it. I can't stay sober for the rest of my life. So I went out and, uh, and drank, you know, I said I couldn't do it. So I couldn't do it. If I say I can't, then I definitely can't. And if I say I can, then most likely I can. I like to be more certain about it. If I can't, if I say I can, I can. 
So I work hard to shift my mindset because I know that just from experience over the years that I don't have to sit still in negative self-talk and sadness and depression and self-doubt. I did that for so many years and I have seen the results of hard work. I know that I don't have to feel that way. It's a choice. I have a choice what to allow to take residence in my brain. And I choose to not allow depression and sadness and self-doubt in. Sometimes it sneaks in and I have to dig it back out. But for the most part, I try to work at it to keep it out rather than letting it in and then having to work at it to get it get it out. So I did some research today on how our brains process negative thinking and how it compares to threats in our lives. So thinking what's going on in our heads versus what's going on in our environment. For example, I was interested in understanding negative thinking that I experienced prior to quitting drinking compared to the threat of a dog biting me. So one is in my head and one is in front of me. Uh, Side note, I got bit by a dog when I was in high school. Went to the hospital. It was terrible. And I still have a scar on my hand. (laughs) Anywho, so the feelings of defeat and hopelessness prior to putting down alcohol compared to the threat response and adrenaline when an angry dog is lunging at you. It's all fight, flight, or freeze. Our thoughts stimulate emotions and actions. So in the case of the dog, I'm thinking that's going to hurt. I'm in danger. It's a threat. And that results in my emotion of fear. And then that motivates me to run or pull my arm away. The key to that is that the thought motivated the action. In the case of quitting drinking, I said, I can't do this for the rest of my life. The thought that I can't do it resulted in disappointment before I even tried to not drink. Um, defeat and hopelessness. And what does that motivate me to do? If I'm feeling hopeless, drink again, of course. So I can't help but think about the little engine that could. (laughs) That's what comes to mind because that's what he had to do, right? He had to say, I think I can, I think I can. Um, 
So what's more discouraging events from the past, like I couldn't quit the first time I tried to stop drinking, so why would I be able to quit now? Interfere with our thoughts today. And interestingly enough, I learned that if we avoid something we think we can't do, it only increases our anxiety and the threat remains. So, I mean, gosh, I could think of so many examples of that, you know, where I turn the other way. I don't want to do, I don't think I can do it. I can't do it. So I'm not going to, and I turn the other way. And how much anxiety then I stick in my backpack and carry around with me. When somebody, you know, if I were to be asked to do public speaking and I were to reply, oh, no, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I would feel so much anxiety from not facing that fear. That's just me. Um, and so just like that, it, it, the way that I was thinking of it is that it's like the dog that was lunging towards you is still chasing you and you're just running in the other direction. You know, it's just that, that the threat is still there and the, the emotion is still there. And depending on what it is that you're avoiding, um, it's, it's just going to stay there. So avoiding something you feel like you can't do is like carrying around a backpack of defeat and hopelessness until you face that thing. A lot of people don't stop drinking the first time they try. Um, there are a lot of people who relapse as a part of their story. And there are a lot of people who, you know, one of the sayings that we say in sobriety is keep coming back. And the reason why is because there is relapse. You know, well, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, you never have it. You know, you, you've never got it under control. If you think, oh, I've been going to meetings for seven years and I've been sober. I don't think about drinking anymore. I've got this. I'm not going to meetings anymore. You need to keep coming back because the moment that you pull away from the sobriety program and think that you can do it on your own is when most likely you'll drink again. And when people avoid getting sober because they don't think they can, I can't do it. You know, imagine that, oh, I mean, the, the fear, the anxiety, the hopelessness, the defeat, all of those things. I mean, every negative emotion I can imagine is exactly what just sat in my gut for years until I was ready to do the work. And I'll talk about that. So here are some ideas for changing an I can't 
to an I can. So number one, I've talked about having a growth mindset in the past. And uh, a growth mindset means if I'm willing to do the work, I can. So willingness, again, we always are coming back to willingness um, to do the work. So I have an episode called Doing the Work and Recovery. And there's also a blog that goes along with that. Uh, it has the same title, Doing the Work and Recovery, on my website on recoverydailypodcast.com. And you may not even be aware that you have a growth mindset in everything you do except fill in the blank. Um, I know that that's the case for me. Um, when I was working and or doing this podcast, it appears as though I have a growth mindset all the time in everything that I do, but I don't. There are some things that I just have a fixed, negative, I can't do it mindset. And um, so as always, I do this research and do the podcast because I want to grow along with uh, whoever is listening. So get to know yourself by listening to the incessant chatter in your head. Um, I have incessant chatter in my head. And the more that I let myself listen to what I'm saying to myself and really be able to name it, am I, am I being nice to myself or am I not being nice to myself? Am I being encouraging or discouraging? Do I think I can or do I think I can't? And there are some relationships even that we have, you know, at work, for example, people frustrate us. Um, you know, you, I, I, for me, I can think of one, one relationship where I just thought I cannot get along with this person. I can't, I can't get along. I'm, there's so many reasons why I don't care for this person. Either they're not honest, I think they're full of shit, you know, um, <laughs> all of these kinds of things. I can't. Well, that is the same I can't mindset as if my boss tells me to do a public speaking event and I say I can't. It doesn't matter if it's I can't do a public speaking event or I can't get along with this person. They're all I can'ts. So how do we change it to I can? And the first way, or the first one of the ways is to listen to yourself and acknowledge that you are saying I can't. So if you hear yourself, number two, if you hear yourself saying that I can't, I can't do it. Just add the word yet to the end. You can't do it yet because you haven't done the work yet. And number three, think of something you never imagined yourself doing and you did it. 
For me, I have many. I have this podcast. Uh, believe me, I never imagined that I was going to be a podcaster. I believe that's what I am formally called now is a podcaster. And that was not my plan in life, but that's what I'm doing uh, nonetheless. Um, and, uh, you know, I keep talking about this public speaking thing because public speaking was a big I can't for a really, really long time in my life. And towards the end of my career, I got to the point where I was presenting to the entire company and doing it well, mind you, um, whether it was virtual or in a conference room. And I did it because I did the work. And I remember... I remember one in particular presentation that I had to do, and I had read the book called Presence, if you've heard of it. It's a great book. Um, it's I think it's by Brene Brown, if I'm not mixing up my authors with my books. Um, I'm a little scatterbrained right now. But um, anyway, there's lots of recommendations for like, how to prepare yourself by, by just doing things like taking up more space physically, like not getting fatter, but not eating more Doritos, but like holding your arms out. Um, you know, if you're sitting in a conference room right before you have to speak, um, turn in your chair slightly and put one of your arms on the back of the chair so it opens up your chest uh, because when we're nervous we tend to like close ourselves up so open up your chest there's also a recommendation for going into the bathroom and like doing a super woman pose um, or a YMCA pose uh, in the mirror and that's supposed to just you know build up your confidence take more space up so lots of different recommendations like that so anyway I'm sitting in this conference room and my heart was beating out of my chest I was so freaking nervous and I had read this I had read all kinds of books and I'm like I just don't know how to get over this. Like, I can't get rid of the anxiety in my throat, you know, because my throat would shake. And if it got really bad, I've talked about it before, my face would shake. Um, and I and I didn't, I just, I, I thought I can't, I can't do this. Well, I stood up in front of the room. It was pretty bad. I was shaking. I think everybody could tell I was terribly nervous. I tried so hard to put off this uh, vibe like I was comfortable, but it was just so apparent that I was not. And, um, and I decided after that day, I thought, you know, if I can learn how to do you know, uh, whatever else at work, if I can learn how to do a budget, if I can learn how to write a blog, I can learn how to uh, build a website. If I can do all of these things, and it, all it took was learning and practice, 
practice, practice, practice, then I should be able to learn how to do public speaking. And I, at that point, it was a mind shift again. And I thought, I'm going to figure this out. I can do it. And so I started reading books, more books. I decided I was just going to learn it like I was in school learn it. And I finally, something clicked. Either I, I read enough books or I practiced enough. There's one um, book that I read called Talk Like Ted. And that was the pivotal moment for me that I read this book and I realized I can do it. And you know what happened after that? I did it. And I did it over and over and over again. And I, my voice wasn't shaking anymore. And I had like a ton of confidence and it showed. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a great example of, of how um, we can think back to times that we didn't think we could do something and we did it and remind myself of that. So the next time I'm faced with something that I'm like, I can't do it. There's no way I can't do it. I'm going to remember what happened uh, with my whole public speaking thing, <laughs> my whole public speaking uh, anxiety and how I overcame that, how I thought I couldn't. And finally, I said I could and I did. So the next uh, number four is the next right thing mentality. And this is uh, something I talk about all the time. And it's really focused on starting small, one, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. Um, if it comes to something like sobriety, you know, one thing at a time, go to a meeting. That's the easiest thing that you can do if you want to start getting sober. Go to a meeting. Because when you go to a meeting, you're going to be opened up to more opportunities for the next right thing. And that's how it starts. It starts with one step. And, um, and saying, I can, you know. Okay, and number five is reward and praise in increments. And this reminds me very much of the habit, the forming habits, as I talked about yesterday, and um, making sure that when we're doing things, we're, when we're doing the work for ourselves, we have to reward ourselves, and we have to sit in the stuff that feels good. And since I'm talking about it, I know you're wondering, yes, I did do yoga today. I did not do it at 11 o'clock because I was baking at 11 o'clock. I did it at 3.30, but I still did it. And um, I did it for an hour. And the whole time I was doing it, I was 100% focused on how good it felt. So before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to think about how good it felt. Again, I'm thinking about it. I also talked about yesterday how you should talk about it, write about it, how good it felt. So that's what I'm doing. 
So yay me. I hope that you did your uh, first day of your habit also. So don't forget to go to bed and think about how good it felt or whatever reward um, you are giving yourself for your habit. Okay, back to the topic. So review and remember at the end of the day um, what you've done um, to work towards this I can mentality for the growth mindset. What did you work? What did you do in order to work towards this thing that you thought you couldn't do because uh, you haven't done it yet? We live in a world of immediate gratification. I don't know when YouTube started this whole section where there's shorts now, but they're like 15 seconds to 30 seconds or something like that. It's extremely distracting <laughs> when you're using voiceover because um, they take up like a whole part of the screen. Anyway, uh, it's a good example of how we want what we want now every, in everything that we do. And it also applies to the drinking for me. You know, I needed to have my satisfaction when I got home from work. I needed to have my immediate gratification of uh, feeling good, of calming down. And drinking is what did that for me. But there are lots of other ways to calm down. Um, and, I've, and I've learned them over the years. They're not instantaneous. I don't take one sip of something and all of a sudden my muscles just relax. I don't have that kind of an endorphin release when I, you know, go take a shower or I meditate or, you know, whatever I like to do that makes me calm, take a walk. Um, it takes work and patience. So we're thinking a lot these days about wanting the information quickly. And there's all these studies on how, um, you know, if, if you want to put out a video, a podcast, a commercial, anything like that, you need to capture the audience within the first three to five seconds or something like that. And, and that's just because we, uh, we're so distracted these days. And I think that hard work gets lost in this type of world. Um, these habit-building techniques and changing I can't to I can, putting down alcohol one day at a time, this all takes determination and patience and hard work. It's not complicated. It's simple. And there are always clear steps. Every podcast I try to talk about clear steps for um, achieving these kinds of things, like having the techniques being really straightforward. Um, but it's always that doing the next right thing that's hard. You know, you can have all the steps in front of you and it can be very simple, but taking a step is always hard. It's always hard. And that's, that's where we have to 
listen to ourselves, that takes hard work. That's probably the hardest work of all is to actually listen to myself and be honest with myself. But I truly believe that I have more control than I've ever been aware of, more control over my emotions, my thoughts, um, than I ever imagined because I never took the time to slow down and, and listen to what was going on inside me. And I realized that I went from working 10-hour days um, to not working. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, we totally, we totally have the ability to control our emotions and stuff. I realize I have more time on my hands than maybe a lot of you do. But I... I want to do the work and to learn about it and share about it so you don't have to do the work. You can just listen to, uh, to the things that, that, that I'm trying, what I'm experiencing, and my strength and my hope on how to overcome some of these things, you know. Um, I may have a lot of time on my hands, but I also have an incredible amount of challenges going on on the inside as I try to figure out how to live with a disability as an alcoholic, too. Um, but uh, even though I am forced to focus on my recovery right now, I do believe that we can all make room for it, for these types of um techniques, whether you're in recovery or not. And the first step is to say, I can. So thanks for listening. And I will talk to you tomorrow.